Hey, come on, does anybody in here love Jesus? Then I think it would be very appropriate to give him a shout of praise for 10 seconds right now. We decide what kind of day at church we're gonna have. Come on. Oh, I know better than to stop a Jesus cheer too early. You guys feel good? All right, can we keep that energy going and say hello to every Red Rocker tuning in from every location in Denver and Brussels and countries and cities and continents watching this all over the world. And last but not least, the amazing men and women at our three, soon to be four, God Behind Bars campuses. Come on. My goodness, do we love you. It feels good in here. Come on, it's a special day, it's a special day. And the reason is, because I'm coming at you right now from Austin, yeah. Texas. Now, we were supposed to record this whole thing in Denver, and I was really on my way to the airport, and then you know how it is, last minute, crazy travel changes, and I don't need to tell you. You, you, you already know how all of that goes. And long story short, couldn't make it, and I thought, surely all is lost, but then I realized uh, Jesus actually really does work together all things for, those, for the good of those who love him, and uh, this is actually a lot cooler than it was gonna be before because I get to look at all of you and say, welcome to your home in Austin, Texas. And we just turned three years old. We turned three years old just a couple weeks ago. And um, man, it's been stupid crazy uh, what God has done in such a short amount of time with salvations and baptisms and family and groups. And there's, just, there's a thousand people who come here every Sunday. And so for all of you who pray and serve and give, I just want you to know this is part of your legacy and this is part of your fruit. And on behalf of all of us here, I get to say thank you for making heaven more crowded and welcome to Red Rocks Austin, amen. Oh, it's gonna be a good day. I think we should pray before you guys start tearing up anymore. This is embarrassing, we're filming, okay? I also think I need to give you the word God gave me to give you before we pray, and it's the word interrupted. You heard me correct, it's the word interrupted. I pray you feel interrupted today. Now don't get me wrong, I also hope you feel encouraged, okay? And I really hope you do, man. I hope you get a big bear, holy hug from your heavenly father. God knows we all need those. But what if, what if the Holy Spirit actually wanted you to walk out of whatever room you're in today so interrupted and so challenged and so uncomfortable that you actually walk out of here and do something about it. You walk out of wherever you are and you, you draw a line in the sand and say, I am stepping into a greater purpose for my life today and there ain't no going back, so Holy Spirit, you have your way. I'm here to tell you, if you want it your way, go to Burger King, but if you want God to have his way in your life and I know you're here and watching this because you do, then pray this with me, Holy Spirit, we love you so much, and God, we give you full-on permission just to have your way and do what you want. Disrupt us, interrupt us, whatever it is, we are ready for you, and we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ and every Red Rocker at every location said, amen. amen. Come on, you guys can take a seat. It's good to be here today. Colossians 2, six through seven, 
You might have it memorized by now. I know Ryan probably has this treasured in his heart, but here it is. It's going to be on the screens. So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, and by the way, if you haven't done that yet, you're going to have an opportunity before you leave here today. Continue to walk in him, being rooted, built up in him, and here it is right here, established in the faith. There's an authority and a permanence to an established faith. I've built my house on the rock. My faith is established. It's here and it's not going anywhere. And because of that, things don't have to get easier out there this year for me to get better in here this year. Amen. I am continuing to be built up in him and established in the faith. And we've been saying this for a couple weeks now. To become established in 2022, you need to fill your life with a rhythm of these four kingdom concepts right here. The first is this, experience God, that you have a God who wants to be experienced. Make no mistake about it, Jesus did not put on skin and bone and come to this planet and live a perfect life and die at the perfect moment as a perfect sacrifice to perfect some very imperfect people and open the door to God's perfect presence permanently just so we could stand at a distance and observe it, amen? God's love is not an ocean, so you can, you can watch from the shore and just memorize some facts about it. The Holy Spirit is not here so we can just do church today and check it off a list because we feel like we should. No, God wants to be experienced and we are here to experience him. And then last week, Sean Frickin' Johnson just about preached the house down about this topic, find family. And essentially what he said is we are, we are made to pursue the plans of God with the people of God. And then next week for week four, we're gonna talk about what it looks like to spend your life for something that will outlive your life and get caught up in a greater story than your own and, and make a difference and change the world. But today for week three, of established 2022, we're gonna call this message Discover Purpose. You were made on purpose for a purpose. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, you're not an accident. You're not a mistake. Put that in the chat room right now. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. I am here for a reason. And check this out. It is now your job to discover what that reason is. Discover purpose. And in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus has an interaction with a man who is trying to do just that, the rich young ruler. You probably heard of him. If it's all the same to you, I'm just gonna call him Rich the Young Ruler, okay? Is that accurate? Um, I don't know, but you don't either, okay? So Rich the Young Ruler, and this is Matthew 19. I believe this starts in 16, and this is the message. Here we go. Another day, a man stopped Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? And really quick, when he says eternal life, that is, that is way more than just heaven in the Greek. It is everything available in God. Everything this young man is made for, the reason he's alive, his, his purpose. And Jesus said, why do you question me about what's good? He answers his question with, a question, just typical Jesus. Why do you question me about what's good? God is the one who is good. In other words, something in this kid knows Jesus is not just a good teacher. And I can kind of see Jesus smirking at him because I believe with all my heart, Rich, our boy Rich, the young ruler, he knows deep down 
He's having a conversation with God right now. And Jesus continues and says, if you want to enter the life of God, everything that he has for you, just do what he tells you to do. So what Jesus is trying to do is, is show this man and show you and show me that discovering your real purpose is actually not always found in, in personal fulfillment or a career or happiness or even, even your dreams. We continue. The man asked, well, what, what, what in particular? And Jesus said, well, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, honor your father and mother, and just love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said, I, I've done all of that. What's left. What else is there? This kid has everything, and yet he is missing the only thing, and he feels it. And I'm talking to somebody right now. I'm not sure who, but this whole Jesus, this whole God, church, Christianity thing, it might, it, maybe it's not working for you because you're seeing, much like this young man, you're seeing Jesus as a supplement who's just here to add something to your life when Jesus actually doesn't come as a supplement. He's a savior here who wants your entire life that we have in everything and nothing less God. And that's how he works. And if you wanna figure out why you're here, you must begin and end with Jesus. If you wanna give it all you've got, Jesus replied, Go sell your possessions, give everything to the poor, and all your wealth will then be in heaven. So while our boy Rich is just trying to add a little bit of Jesus into his life, Jesus basically just asked him for his life uh, because he's trying to give him the one thing that his heart wants more than anything, and it's purpose. And Jesus says, then come follow me. That was the last thing the young man expected to hear. And so crestfallen, he walked away. He was holding on tight to a lot of things, and he could not bear to let go. So I think this story is going to help us learn a few ways about how to discover purpose. And so let's pray one more time. God, speak to us. We're listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody knows the feeling of driving around on empty. You know what I'm talking about? I know Ethan does for a fact because I'm the one he calls to come pick him up on the side of the highway, put my life in danger. I'm so serious and I do it because WWJD and I do it again when it inevitably happens again. Um, <laughs> by the way, has anybody run out of gas this year, like in 2022? Are you serious? You have? At our other location? I mean, we value authenticity at Red Rocks Church. I appreciate that and... Um, I know everybody tuning in from Boulder right now, they value high MPG ratings in cars and they just wanna help all of us. But all of us, here, here's the thing, in their Subarus, okay, I'm done, I'm done. All of us swear that we know the exact number of miles a car can go once the, the gas light comes on. No, this is the right answer. No, no, this is the right answer. No, the right answer is stop and get gas. That's the right answer because driving around on empty sucks, okay? Now, here's my spiritual transition. Just watch this. According to stats and studies, convos and high school reunions, more than 85% of Americans feel that when it comes to purpose, they are running on empty. Stuck, bored, hopeless, desperate, unfulfilled, this is what low purpose feels like. It's like I'm busy, but I don't even know why I'm busy or what for. I'm, I'm not living, I'm just, I'm existing. 
I have a warm body, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm, that I'm alive, right? And Rich, the young ruler, his life looks great on paper like a lot of us, a lot of you, and yet he's still low on something. And what he's low on essentially is a reason to live for and a purpose to die for. Because purpose is powerful, which is why you feel the lack of it when you don't have it. Like purpose is the why that gets you out of bed in the morning, it's the why that gets you out of the door. I've heard it said, this is kinda cliche, but it's the why that makes you cry. I actually really like that. Purpose energizes your day. It makes the good seasons even better. It makes mundane seasons a little bit more magical. It makes the bad seasons a little bit more bearable. It, it, it creates this awareness, if you will, of this greater narrative that you know is out there. Purpose is the reason I just know in my knower, you guys, that this whole God thing is real and that this whole existence is not just some random accident that started from nothing and is heading towards nothing, but there's actually a personal God out there who, who, with great forethought, wrote an entire story and knows the end from the beginning and knows me and my place within it. And purpose just, it gives you something. It gives you that, that, that spark. It gives you a, a little extra, what do you say, kick in your step, spark in your step? I'm not sure what it is. Pep in your step, that's purpose. The pep of purpose, that's what this sermon is now called. <laughs> There's a God out there. And before the foundations of the earth were even formed, he knew me and knew my place within it. At least according to Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, it says this, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You could say it this way, God has already determined your purpose, now you are discovering it. So how do I do that? It's a great question, how do I discover my purpose? Let me answer your question like Jesus would by asking you three more questions, okay? I wanna give you essentially three purpose statements and, and three questions that I, I just think are very helpful and maybe more helpful than some of the other questions that we typically have grown up asking ourselves to discover purpose. And so here we go. Number one, here's the purpose statement. It's this, I was built for this. I would love for you to, at the end of the day, lay your head on the pillow at night and be able to say in your soul with all the authenticity in the world, man, I was built. I was built for this. And now here's the question to ask. Who did God make me to be? So do you remember the question growing up, um, what do you wanna be when you grow up? I love that question. I kinda still ask that question. What do I want to be when I grow up? And when, when, is that, when am I gonna grow up? I don't know. Um, but I, I always answered the same way, and I have such a vivid memory of being in first grade. That was our assignment one afternoon. Draw what you wanna be when you grow up. And I, I, I said, um, I drew four things, a major league baseball player, an NBA player, an NFL player, and then just a rich guy. I was like, <laughs> obviously this is the right answer. Is this just an option you can choose? Because. Come on, people, like this is easy. It's a rich guy. If you can just be that, I drew a stick figure, which was me with like a Ferrari and some white tigers and just stacks on stacks of chocolate bars. A rich guy, obviously, okay? When Ethan was little, oh, and I'm picking on Ethan again, everybody feel bad for him. He got asked that question and he said, when I grow up, I wanna be a dinosaur. <laughs> I'm so serious, that's what he said. And his teacher like, 
didn't correct him. <laughs> I'm thinking, somebody tell this poor kid a dinosaur is not something you can just be. <laughs> if, you, if you don't understand that, like, I don't know how to explain it to you. I Googled more funny answers of what kids answered for that question, and, and one kid was like, when I grow up, I wanna be a puppy, and I actually, I really, I get that. We don't deserve dogs. That's basically like saying, I wanna just be happy for the rest of my life, because puppies are the best thing in the world. And then another kid said, um, when I grow up, I wanna rule the world and kiss my girlfriend. And so, and he was six. I'll be working for him one day, I just know it. What do you wanna be when you grow up? I love that question. However, when it comes to truly discovering purpose, I think there's a better one, and I think it's this. Who did God make me to be? Here's, the, here, here's why. Because you did not create yourself, and you, therefore, can't tell yourself why you were created. But there is somebody who did, and this question consults him. And I actually, like, let, let's... Let's give our, our, our boy Rich like a hand here because I think he actually got this part right because he, he goes straight to Jesus. Matthew 19, 16, let me just remind you, another day, a, a man stopped Jesus. He went to Jesus and that right there is everything. He didn't go to the world. He didn't go to social media or even, like, even his friend group to answer this question. He goes to Jesus. Teacher, what, mu what good thing must I do to get eternal life? He goes to God and asks God the question, why am I here, what am I made for, how do I walk in it, what is my purpose, how did God design me to be, who did you make me to be? And by the way, I'm, I'm not sure who needs to hear this, but you, not the person sitting next to you, I'm talking about you are a direct product of God's genius and creativity. And he made no mistakes when he made you. And David said this in Psalm 139, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Somebody in the chat room right now, you just, you just type, God crushed it when he made me. Oh, I'm awesome. And my evidence is right there in Psalm 139. My maker made no mistakes when he made me. And not only did he design you in a specific way, by the way, and for a specific purpose, by the way, but Acts chapter 17 says he actually chose, like he, he drew a line around your geography of where you would be born and where you would spend your time on this planet. He, he chose the decades that you would be alive and on top of all that gave you intrinsic gifts and talents and burdens and passions and desires. This is what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, six through seven. He says, each person is given something to do that shows who God is. It's talking about building the church, okay? All of us playing a unique role. And when everybody gets in on it, everyone benefits. And everybody in this room, everybody in every room, everybody listening in your headphones, in your car later on, all of us have a unique calling to become unlike anybody God has ever made. All of us have a universal calling to be more and more like Jesus every day, but you also have an individual calling to become like anybody, like unlike anybody else God has ever created. There is only one of you, and this church needs you. Who did God design you to be? 
If you think about this hammer right here, this hammer was designed for a very specific reason with a lot of forethought. Some guy once upon a time saw a need and so he sat down with a lot of vision and a lot of plans and very carefully crafted this hammer. And this is, this is amazing what this thing can do when in the hands of a skilled carpenter, if you see where I'm going as far as the metaphor, if you're following right now, in the hands of a skilled carpenter, the ceiling is off for what's possible for this hammer. Unless the hammer decides, I don't wanna be a hammer. I wanna be a saw. I feel like this metaphor, like I know this is funny, but this is so reality for so many of us that I know I was designed a very specific way, but, I, but comparison kills callings so fast. Can we all agree on that? When I'm, that's why Paul said, or whoever wrote the book of Hebrews said, run your race, fix your eyes on Jesus. And it's the moment that you start turning to the left or to the right, I am prophesying a crash in your future. Comparison kills calling when all the while God made you on purpose for a very specific reason. Who did God design you to be? Who did God design you to be and can you own that? And with confidence say, oh, this is, this is who God made me to be. These are my strengths, these are my giftings. Playing small with the giftings that God gave you helped nobody anywhere, ever, in the history of anything. This is an arrogance when there's a humility involved when approaching the gifts of God that he gave you. I am so confident in who he made me and consulting the divine designer on how he designed me. And this is, this is so challenging and tricky for me because when you're a public speaker in 2021 and the best communicators on the planet are all over YouTube and you look to the left and you look to the right and you go, I gotta be as witty as her and I gotta be as funny as him and as captivating as her and as theologically sound and smart as that guy. Like, what am I, what am I doing? But I've found out, I have had God sort of say, hey buddy, I love you so much. You make a crummy that guy, you make a crummy that girl, but you make an amazing, Doug Weckenman, exactly what I made you to be. And the more you own it, the more you stop trying to be a hammer that's just, hey, exhibit A is just a thousand people every single season of American Idol who try out and don't make it past the tryouts, but they're just so convinced, no, I was made to do this because I've been told I can do anything I wanna do just because I wanna do it. And they'll quote stuff like Philippians 4.13, oh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but let me give you the context because that verse gets even better with context. You can do all things that God has called you to do for his purpose through him who strengthens you. All things that he has called you to do because it proves, and, and, th and that's not limiting, that's liberating. Because it proves that there was forethought behind you, behind your life, that you are designed for a specific reason, a God that cares so deeply about you, who said, no, you are chosen and created for such a time as this. To quote Bruno Mars, you're amazing, just the way you are. You are part of a design, a divine designer's workmanship, and you were given things to do in your life to show the rest of the world who God is, but the more you compare yourself to the purposes that you see around you, the more you're gonna miss out on what a miracle you are in everything that God has 
for you. Own your gifts with confidence. Lean into it. There's a bigger story and a purpose, and you were made for it, and we need you. And I just, like, I think about my son, Will. I want him to grow up thinking um, I can do anything and be anything. And I, I believe that. I just want more for him to be and love exactly who God made him to be. God, who did you design me to be? Because your purpose not only is the reason, it's the reason you were born, it's how you live fully awake. It's where you can wake up in the morning and lay your head on your pillow at night and say, oh, I was built for this. Because I think at the end of the day, even more than, oh, I want, I want that platform or that position or that job or that life, I think what we really want is fruit. When you picture that hammer just trying to be a saw, I, I see frustration. There's an ease. Not that life is easy, but there is an ease that just flows when this is my identity, this is who God made me. We want fruit over frustration. I'd rather stride through life than, than strive. God, <laughs> the maker of your soul, forms you before the foundations of the world were even made for a very specific reason. And, and by the way, at, at this church, that's why we do grow, um, to help you discover, God, how did you make me? What am I good at? What keeps me awake at night? What are my passions? How do all of those things collide? And how can I serve within this church in a way that makes me go, I was built to do this? And then walk out of these four walls into the sphere God's placed me and live in a way that's, oh, I was made for this. And I'm making a difference, amen? Who did God make you to be? So you can say, I was built for this. That's what you want. That's what I want. Number two, here's the purpose statement. I'll bring the character. You bring the calling. Question to ask, who am I becoming today? Future, calling. The two sexiest words to all Christians. <laughs> this is about the present and character. We are obsessed with calling. God is obsessed with character. We are obsessed with influence. God is obsessed with integrity. The world looks at the outside. God looks at the heart. I'm not saying he, he doesn't care about what you wanna do then. I'm just saying he loves who you are becoming now. In Matthew 19, 20, let's go back to the story. Jesus said to Rich, if you really wanna be perfect, go now, sell everything that you own, give your money to the poor, and your treasure will be transferred into heaven and then come back and follow me for the rest of your life and this ain't a salvation thing um, just like that Colossians 2 verse that we started with our theme verse for this entire series this is about continuing beyond that and becoming more and more established in your faith with Christ it's like Jesus is saying to this guy I have so much more for you that Jeremiah 29, 11, one of the best promises ever, that by the way is not, for I know the plans you have for you, young man, young woman, it's I know the plans I have for you. And Jesus is saying, I've got so many of them, such a calling, such a purpose for your life. You're just not ready to jump into it. And I need you to let go of some stuff. I need you to go and work on your calling. Lightning comes before the thunder. To quote Dan Reynolds from Imagine Dragons, I was lightning before 
the thunder. Lightning always comes before the thunder, with one exception. And when I was eight, I actually lived out that one exception. Uh, I was eight years old. Ryan remembers this. He was there. And uh, Twister had just come out. I love the movie Twister, by the way. It's one of, one of the best movies of all time. You got Helen Hunt, who eight-year-old me had a big crush on, and then uh, Bill Paxton, and then Dorothy. The, do you remember? You know what I'm talking about? You guys, not, not Dorothy, Red Slippers from that other movie that, by the way, gave me more bad dreams than Twister, okay? But Dorothy, like the, uh, with the sensors and the, this is off topic because it's not even the direction I'm going. All I'm saying is uh, I, I loved storms growing up. And we, we lived in, in Indiana for two years. And one morning, um, mom was at work, dad was upstairs uh, making beds or something like that. And me and Ryan, eight and seven years old, are downstairs. And uh, we are eating breakfast, Lucky Charms and Fruit Loops. I have a, a weird memory when it comes to specific things. And uh, we were watching Woody the Woodpecker. Does anybody know... Woody the Woodpecker, this TV show. I might be dating myself a little bit. Uh, does anybody know Woody Woodpecker's signature laugh? You do? Can you guys do it? Yes, okay. In case you didn't hear that, Woody Woodpecker's signature laugh, here it goes. The things I do for you guys, man. Y'all are so lucky, you're so lucky. Okay. I did that for a reason, it's, it's actually important, okay? So we are, we're eating breakfast, watching Woody the Woodpecker, a storm is rolling in, lightning flashes, and five seconds go by and the thunder rolls. Trademark Garth Brooks. <laughs> lightning flashes again, four seconds roll by this time, and the thunder rolls. Oh, another lightning flash, three seconds, the thunder rolls. How many know this means the storm's getting closer, okay? two seconds, and then one second, and then this is, you, like, I, I swear this is true. I promise you this is true. You cannot, like, J.K. Rowling could not make stories like this up, okay? This is true. We are, I'm eating my Lucky Charms, and Woody the Woodpecker does his laugh, and in the middle of his laugh is when I experience lightning and thunder at the exact same time. So literally, it's, just like, Lightning struck our house, you guys. No, I'm serious. It, like, it blew a hole in our roof, like 10 feet by 10 feet, lit the house on fire. It was pouring rain. The fire went out fast. Um, but it felt like, is the lightning or the thunder or, or God lifted our house up like five feet and then just dropped it? Scared me to death. Gave my life to Jesus at recess later that afternoon. I'm kidding. It would take a few more lightning strikes for God to get this guy's attention, but... That is the one exception to lightning coming before the thunder. In every other situation, it does. Character before calling. Lightning before thunder. Integrity before influence. How are you working on your character, I guess, is my question. Who are you becoming today? Who are you becoming today? Because notice this guy, Rich, Jesus gives him one thing to do. He doesn't do it. He doesn't do it. Like, I wonder how many revelations I've had in church during a sermon, because getting a revelation is fun. Oh, it's like an emotional experience. And then I just want the next one. It's like, no, you need to do the one that he told you before you need something new. <laughs> like, how many, I have like 50 of those. Not working on those, I want another one though, right? Give me a new revelation. Oh, a shiny new revelation. We love 
those experiences. Or we could just do what I already told you. You know, let's work on that. Your character before your calling. Can you be obedient? Are you guidable? I've asked God, this was like two years ago. I had like God just called me out, not audibly. I'd pee my pants if that happened. But like, you just hear it in your heart. I just feel like he was impressing on me because I was asking for guidance, but I was being stubborn where he just said, buddy, don't ask me to guide you if you're not gonna be guidable. Character before calling. The more you level up your character, I'll say it this way, the less you limit God's calling. So what are you doing to do that? Maybe it's, hey, get in a group and get honest with some other people about the blind spots in your life. Is there something I need to confess or, or, or forgive, pursuing wholeness in my life, right? Like, what if we truly saw an era of Christians where integrity actually outpaced influence and not the other way around? Hey, I'm talking to, to teens and 20s and 30s right now. When you, when you hear stories of, let's say, like moral failures in, in churches, um, is your, and I'm not defending that by any means. I'm simply saying, what's your first gut reaction when you hear about it? Is it to, is it to judge and critique and to, to speak up and, or is it to examine my character? I'll quote Beth Moore, you have only begun to be tested. Character before calling. Purpose is a blessing, I'm just saying it's also a burden and burdens are heavy. I feel like at the gym, just squatting, which I used to be okay at and I'm now terrible at. Um, but it's heavy. It's like maybe the reason a calling hasn't come yet is because you don't have character strong enough to hold a calling because callings bring with it, purpose brings with it weight. And I'm telling you, if your character is not strengthening, your future is weakening, amen? Maybe in this time, lightning before the thunder, right? They say 10,000 hours to get good at something. 10,000 lightning strikes right now. What are you doing? Like, let's say, for instance, you, you're in a job and it's paying the bills, but man, I really feel like my purpose is to do this. And what if, I, what if I had that kind of career? What if I started this kind of company? What if, okay, here's my question. What about right now? What are you doing right now? Like, maybe we can define what you wanna do or who God made you to be and where you wanna go. So now I can answer the question, how do I get there? Maybe, maybe I, do, I do some night classes and go back to school or maybe that job I want doesn't even require a degree and I can get an education for free on YouTube or on my podcast app or for $215 at Barnes and Noble, right? Like what is, what's the, what, what am I good at? What am I passionate about? What's the difference that I wanna make? What's the need that I see in the world? And how can I get so good at this gift that God has given me because God Deposits gifts, but if you if that's just it for you, I'm like, where like who's cultivating the gift that God has given you? How can I get so good at, at what I'm doing that I can even start getting people to pay me to do this, and then this turns into a, a career, and I don't have to quit this job before this one starts, and I, I just go for this now? What's what's the lightning that you're making before the thunder? Is my question. Is it obedience? Is it is it developing more character? Is it pursuing other things and getting vision, and then walking out of services like this and actually? putting those into practice and doing something about it? Do you have 45 revelations you've received over the last five years that you are not even, you're just waiting for the next new one and you're not doing those things? Because I gotta tell you, guys, we're accountable for what we do know. And that's the one thing that scares me about the age of information when it's just all, I want a new thing. It's like, well, character before calling. 
lightning before thunder. I'll bring the character. And God, when you decide, you bring the calling. Amen? Okay, number three, purpose statement. This is the more I was made for. Here's the question to ask. What would Jesus do if he were me? WWJDIHWM. When Jesus told this man to keep the commandments, back to the story, verse 20, the young man said, I've done all of that, what's left? He said in another translation, what am I lacking still? Makes me think of Tom Brady's famous interview 15 years ago after he won three Super Bowls in five years. And he said, there's, there's gotta be more. There has to be more than this. And Jesus basically tells Rich, he says, oh, there is. And you sense it. I'm trying to tell you how to get it. Lose yourself and follow me, and you will find everything you're looking for. But the heartbreaking ending of our story is verse 22. That was the last thing the young man expected to hear, and so crestfallen or sad, he walked away. He was holding on tight to a lot of things, and he could not bear to let go. So this story is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three synoptic gospels, and Repetition in the Bible tells us something. And I think this is telling us you don't have to go away sad today like this young man did. If you've never said yes to salvation, I'm gonna give you an opportunity in just a moment. Um, if you have, I'm telling you, like Colossians says, continuing beyond that, there is still, there's more for you. And the reason you sense, oh, there has to be more, that's your knower, that's called faith understanding there is, and Jesus is trying to lead you into it. There is more that I was made for, because I can sum up your purpose in three steps for you right now. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what he would do if he were you. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what he would do if he were you. Your first purpose, plain and simple, is just to be with Jesus, guys. That's it, to know God and enjoy him, and if you, ever, if you never do a thing more, this is, this is your purpose and why you are here, to be with Jesus. You remember the Mary and Martha story when, when, when Mary and Martha, the two sisters, they have Jesus over for, for dinner and Martha is the classic Enneagram too, just in the kitchen actually trying to cook dinner and, and show some hospitality and Mary is the younger sister, classic birth order, just doing nothing, just sitting <laughs> at the feet of Jesus, just just staring at, and Martha gets so flustered, she says, Jesus, would you tell my sister, like she won't even say Mary's name, would you tell my sister to be a better Christian and help me? And it's crazy, because Jesus just, he actually says Mary has chosen the one thing necessary in the entire human experience, being with God. Because God doesn't need us, we need him. Like you think God needed Adam to, to name the flamingo? <laughs> Adam, I'm so tired from crafting constellations. You take this one, buddy. I just, I need you, man. I can't do this anymore. It's like, is it just me? Or sometimes does it seem like the church is just the, a collection of the most anxious people in the world just trying to accomplish a bunch of stuff for God? When... Our primary purpose is just to be with him. Why? Because the more, I'll say it this way, you become like who you're with. 
That's why. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what he would do if he were you. What would Jesus do? I love that bracelet. I love that question. I, I just think, personally, this one's better. W-W-J-D-I-H-W-M. You need a bigger bracelet, maybe it's a necklace, I don't know. But what would Jesus do if he were me? Because what would Jesus do? Well, he's the Messiah, so he'd probably save, you know, the universe. Um, but I'm not that. So what would Jesus do if he were me? He did make me on purpose and for a purpose, and you too. And you are here for a reason, which means, no, you are not just a sophomore at UT or CU. You are, you are here to show us what it would look like if Jesus was a college student in Austin or in Denver. And you're, you're not just a nurse on the oncology floor at the hospital. You are here to show us what it would look like if Jesus showed bedside manner and gave flu shots and took vitals. And no, you're not just an employee at a starter level position. You are here to show the world what it would look like if Jesus actually submitted underneath somebody else's authority and wasn't a part of gossiping circles and spoke life, right? You are here to, to do what Jesus would do if he were you. No, you're not just in the twilight season of your life. You're here to show us what it would look like if Jesus were a retired guy who absolutely played a ton of golf, but also built the church and gave and mentored and discipled and served. What would he do if he were you? And I, I, I'm supposed to say this, this is for somebody, because I think Rich the Young Ruler grew up in a home and comes from a lineage um, that values proving and earning and succeeding over love, purpose, and meaning. And and that's why he's coming to Jesus on this day. And it gets me thinking, man, had he not walked away sad from Jesus, it's possible his kids would have grown up in something different. And um, like, what if your purpose is more about who you're raising than what you're doing? Possibly the greatest thing, the bravest thing, the coolest thing a human can do is give their kids something that they never had while growing up. Like you had to go somewhere else for love and support, but your kids won't. You had to go succeed and prove to the world to prove to yourself that you have value and you're worth something, but your son won't. You had to go to, to guys to feel beautiful and valued, but your daughter won't. You had to you inherited a, a generational curse of, of divorce or alcohol or apathy or anger, but your kids won't because that curse ended with you because you were the start of something new. You began a new lineage. What would Jesus do if he were you? That, I think that, I really do. Oh, I was supposed to say that. That's for, I mean, way more than one person, I know that. So in Austin, we've been doing Grow for about a year now, and it's been so good and so fruitful, and I don't teach it, but I swing by most Sundays and um, just stop in and say hello, and I always say the same thing. I find myself just saying, um, if Jesus were you, if Jesus were a, a teen, a, a young adult, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 something year old in your city, in Austin, in Denver, in Brussels, wherever, um, 
this is exactly where he would be. And that says something about you, that you're here. He'd be right here trying to figure out how do I help build my church, man? How do I discover my purpose and find my place within, within God's story? <laughs> what would he do if he were me? Because I, I'm not Jesus and I can't do everything, but I know Jesus, so I, I can do something. And I will not neglect to do the something I can do because I'm part of his workmanship. Like you, I have been given something to do that shows the world who God is. And when man, and the more you figure that out, I'll say it this way, the more you discover that, you discover your purpose, start waking up with a little bit of extra energy, that why that makes you cry, that why that's not just about the here and now, but using the here and now, it starts to blend between now and heaven forever one day, where what you do here, to quote Maximus from Gladiator, begins to echo into eternity because I'm caught up in a greater story than myself. And, and sometimes purpose speaks to careers, but 90% of the time it, it speaks to, to being a leader and what kind of man or what kind of woman or what kind of son or what kind of daughter or what kind of student or what kind of employee or what kind of boss, what kind of, you fill in the blank, you are becoming today. And the reason, the reason I, I so much better, like who am I becoming today? And, and what do I want to, what did, what did God make me to be rather than what do you want to be when you grow up is because that question implies that purpose is a destination or a place that one day you will just get to. But we all know for a fact that is not true, that purpose is not a place, purpose is a path that you are walking on every single day discovering more of how God made me. I just feel like even on this speaking and communicating journey I've been on as I've, as I've compared myself and, and killed my calling a little bit and then, and then fallen forward and picked myself up and, and, and found out from God, no, you don't, you don't you, you make a crummy, that guy. You make a great you because I love you and I've given you specific strengths and even weaknesses and quirkiness that makes you somehow likable. Like I just, this is you, become you. Become you. Who did God make you to be? And who are you becoming today? And then what would Jesus do if he were you? And so would everybody just, just bow our heads and close our eyes and just have a couple questions to ask. Number one, if you'd call yourself one of the 85% of Americans or just humans, I guess. This is a human thing. That just feels like I'm running on empty when it comes to purpose. I, w I just wanna challenge you right now. Um, would you just raise your hand? Almost like, God, I'm surrendering. Like I'm coming to Jesus just like the rich young ruler and saying, hey, whatever. <laughs> Whatever you ask of me, I wanna say yes. Help me to say yes. I wanna let go because I believe you're calling me into more. And I'm ready for it. That's amazing. Thank you very much, by the way, for your vulnerability. Then number two, um, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I just... 
I think back to this guy and I have to believe there's a reason he went away sad. It's because he knew this was God. Because if he didn't think Jesus was God, he wouldn't have gone away sad. He would have gone away thinking, that guy's crazy. But he knew who Jesus was. And you don't have to walk out of here sad. You don't have to close your laptop sad. You don't have to lay your head on a pillow for another night wondering where you're spending eternity or wondering if there is a God out there. And even if there is, does he love you? What does he think of you? I am telling you, there is. And the reason you sense this void is because that void is telling you you were made for something more to come and fill it. And that, that's your eternal heavenly father who loved you so much that he sent Jesus to this planet to live a perfect life and give you his perfection and righteousness and take from you every mistake, every sin, past, present, and future permanently from you to establish you into a new position called salvation in Christ, forgiven and free, beginning this amazing journey of not just heaven forever, but life to the full in the here and now. And if you want that, um, I, want, I want you to raise your hand right now too. Every location, Denver, Brussels, Austin, watching online, Ghana, Africa right now. I know who I'm talking to right now. Northern Ireland. If you want Jesus right now, he's yours. Amen, amen, amen. Let me pray for all of us. Jesus, we love you so much. I thank you. Um, I thank you that heaven just got a lot more crowded today. I thank you um, that not only are you a God who saves when you don't have to be, you just are. You're, you're that good. You're a God who saves. Uh, and not just that, though. You're a God who calls. And so I pray for everybody beneath the sound of this prayer that we would leave church today understanding that heaven goes with us everywhere we go. And, and I am so interrupted today by the Holy Spirit. And I am, so, I am so challenged and uncomfortable that I'm tired of just being a Christian that lives saved. It's time to live called. It's time to live on purpose and for a purpose. And so God, would you give new revelation as to how you wired and made each and every one of us and the callings you have, the purposes that you have, the character that we can work on, the blind spots, the things we need to confess, the things we, the people we need to forgive, the lightning strikes we need to make in the here and now, and, and help us just be Mary when we could be Martha, and just simply be with you, as if the greatest sense of purpose we have is just to know you, Jesus, and as we do, would we become more like you, and as we become more like you, would we start to, to do the things that you would do if you were us in every sphere that you might take us into, not as an audience in a church, but as an army of Jesus followers in a very dark world, shining a light to those who feel far from you so they too can come home and experience you and find family and discover their purpose and make a difference. We love you. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ and everybody said, amen. amen.